nine o'clock. Hi, welcome to In the Trenches with Andrew Taylor, where we talk about millennials and this crazy world they're adulting into. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of In the Trenches. I am Andrew Taylor, and in the trenches, we talk about millennials. Anybody who's doing anything special and unique with millennials, I'm trying to get on this podcast. And in this episode, number 14, I have the opportunity to interview Jeff Dvorak. Jeff's really interesting. He's a New York guy through and through, but in his young adult life took him to the West, where he actually went to the University of Montana. Um, he then went on to, I mean, he's, he's got a ton of experience working with young people. Um, ended up even working in Costa Rica sometimes, so uh, that's how he's got a little special place in my heart. And then ended up getting a master's of education in Western Massachusetts, and also got into a doctoral program for special education. So, a ton of experience. In fact, right now his current job is college consulting. He does do a little bit of therapeutic consulting, but he really works with young people trying to get into college, and has a lot of experience and a lot of great insight to that. Part of that, he does, he reads college applications for Cal Berkeley. And you'll find this conversation to be really interesting because we talk about, you know, what, what young people need to be putting into these applications and how they should approach the college experience in general. I hope you enjoy it. I sure did. Learned a ton as usual. And there's a lot of good nuggets in here for those young millennials looking to college. Thanks for joining. All right, Jeff Dvorak, good to have you on the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you, Andrew. And you are in uh, New York City right now at uh, what park? I am sitting in the, uh, the middle of Washington Square Park watching the, uh, the world go by as we do here in New York City. A beautiful fall day. Uh, just right off the NYU campus and watching the students all coming back, you know, doing their thing on a Friday, um, getting ready for whatever they do on a Friday night. <laughs> Hopefully not studying. <laughs> and I, I, we've got some live music in the background, so there might be some extra soul to this, uh, to this interview, which will be great. Yeah. Um, Jeff, what, what got you into college consulting. I know you've done some therapeutic educational consulting as well, but you really are mainly focusing on college consulting. What, what got you into that? Yeah. I mean, as you said, Andrew, I mean, I started my career, uh, you know, working for a therapeutic wilderness program out in Idaho, uh, you know, Seuss, one of the originals. Um, you know, I grew up in New York and, uh, you know, in the eighties, which was a, you know, fun time to be here. But, uh, you know, wanting to get out and, get, you know, kind of explore the world. Um, after high school, I, I did a gap year. And, uh, you know, during my gap year, uh, one of the things that I did that was, uh, you know, one of the more profound things in my life, I went on a national outdoor leadership school course in uh, Wyoming. And, uh, you know, really kind of led me to do some things that I never thought I'd do, go to explore places I'd never, you know, even heard of, um, you know, coming from New York. And, 
it led me on to go to the University of Montana, of all places. Coming from New York, Montana was, uh, you know, a million miles away. But, you know, it was a, it was a great, um, you know, experience for me, a great place for me to go to college at that time of my life. And why I was uh, at the university, um, you know, some of the friends that I had made were working down in this wilderness program down in Idaho. And uh, they thought I would either be a great student or I'd be a great instructor. I was, I was definitely a fine line there. Um, but yeah, I went down there and, uh, started doing that. Right. You know, I mean, that's, I think that's what it takes in a lot of ways. Right. You know, uh, I could definitely relate to the kids and understand what they were going through, what they were doing in their lives. But, you know, I was a little older, a little wiser. And then I had some of this wilderness experience to, um, you know, guide them safely through their experience in the desert. And, uh, you know, I just took to it. It was, uh, it was a real calling for me. Um, I, I was good at it. I enjoyed it. I liked the lifestyle of it. I like, uh, you know, being in the desert for 21 days and then, you know, having time off to go, you know, rock climb and ski and, you know, explore all over the West. Um, but, you know, after a while, uh, you know, being in the wilderness gets tiring. Uh, you know, you want to have a more stable life. So, um, I kind of did that. I went out to work uh, for a boarding school in Western Massachusetts, a therapeutic boarding school called Swift River. And I wound up running the Costa Rica program for them. Um, as you know, I started that uh, with some friends and did that for two years, which was a phenomenal experience, you know, working down in Costa Rica. But after, you know, being down there, same kind of thing. I wanted a more, uh, you know, kind of normal life. And uh, I had really liked being in Western Massachusetts. And I wound up going to graduate school there. And I got my master's in education uh, administration. And then I wound up staying on to do most of my doctoral work there in uh, special education administration. And then from there, I wound up working for a bunch of public schools as an English teacher, assistant principal, dean of students. I worked for some time in London in a, in a naughty lad school for troubled kids in London, which was quite an experience. I can tell you stories about that for days. Um, and then I, uh, you know, wanted to come back to better weather, come back to to uh, the U.S. and I, I moved to California and wound up working for the San Francisco School District as a college counselor, um, which was a phenomenal experience. And during that time, I also wound up working uh, with UC Berkeley admissions, uh, reading freshman applications for them, which I'm actually going out tomorrow to go do again. This is going to be my eighth year uh, reading applications for Berkeley, where I read a couple of thousand applications uh, every year freshmen who are trying to get to Berkeley. Um, so, you know, that's really given me a real insight into, uh, you know, what the college application process is like and who gets in, who doesn't, why, why not. Um, of course, Berkeley is not an easy school to get into, but nevertheless, I mean, it's, you know, it's basically the same stuff that they, you know, asked for as, you know, any other college asks for. Um, so, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a good experience doing that. And then, you know, through all those experiences about five years ago, I moved back to New York and I started an educational consulting practice. Um, I do mostly college, but I do do some therapeutics too, you know, too, uh, day school, boarding school. But I think what I specialize in is, you know, I, I'm a kind of an out of the box thinker. I, I help kids get to college, um, and, or, you know, look at some other alternative things that, you know, maybe have had some bumps in the road in their past, maybe have been to a therapeutic school, maybe have had some not so great grades in their past, but then have gotten, you know, together later on, 
um, or some kids that struggle with learning differences. Uh, you know, I specialize in that in that in that aspect. Um, but you know, I like I like I said I like I like thinking about you know what's a good match. Not what the best school is, whatever even that means. But you know, what's the best school for you is you know I think really where my skill set lies. Um, you know, finding that that place that you're ready for in your life now. You know, I mean, I, I always say. You know, my mantra is, uh, you know, God willing, life is long. You know, you're going to go on to do, you know, many great things in your life. Uh, you know, so pave the path. You know, no rush going to something you're not yet ready for. But, you know, do things that are going to build towards success, right? Do you, do you see that as a mistake that a lot of millennials are making? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, this day and age, I'm, you know, I'm here in New York City. I'm working with a lot of, uh, you know, prestigious prep school and, and kids, you know, who go to those schools and the pressure to go to a, you know, a, a big name school, uh, you know, recognized school is, is intense. And, you know, being in New York city, I mean, care, kids prepare for this, you know, since kindergarten and, you know, it's a test to go to this school and to have this pedigree to get into that school. And, you know, they get on this, um, you know, train and it's a freight train and it, it ain't stopping. It's, it's, you know, and then what happens is, uh, you know, as you know, I mean, you see it in your work, uh, you know, a lot of kids crash and burn. They, they have a hard time, you know, handling the pressure, you know, and they develop, uh, you know, things like anxiety and depression and all that comes with that. Um, and, uh, you know, some kids that even get to college. Uh, you know, I often see, um, you know, when they do get there and they finally have some independence and some freedom, uh, they have a hard time managing it and they make bad choices while they're there. Um, or, you know, I also see a lot of kids going into colleges that, you know, they thought was the right place for them, but at the end of the day, it wasn't. You know, I recently just worked with a girl who, uh, you know, wanted to transfer out of uh, Colby College. And, you know, one of the questions I asked her, I said, well, why do you want to transfer? And she says, I hate the winter. <laughs> and I said, well, didn't you know you were going to, you know, school in Maine? And, you know, this is a classic. She said to me, well, it was the best school that I got into, you know, and I said, well, clearly not for you. Right. Um, you know, so I see that quite often. What, where does that come from? Is it in your experience? Are you seeing it's family imposed, self-imposed or a little bit of everything? Yeah, I think it's everything. I mean, it's societal, right? I mean, it's, it's like moving up, you know, what's, what's the best school to get into to get to get into the best college to get to, you know to the best job right and the pressure from the family from the school from their peers and then uh, you know obviously on themselves right i mean kids really push themselves you know not all but you know many do um you know look when i when i first started doing this work you know back in the early 90s you know there was still kind of more like of a, a rebellious streak right i i think kids that were, uh, you know, quote unquote, getting in trouble back then, you know, they were what we used to call the hell raisers, right? They were, you know, cutting out of school and smoking pot in, you know, Washington Square Park and stealing their parents' car, you know, I mean, not, not good things, but, you know, they had this independent streak, right? They were, they were fierce about, you know, don't tell me what to do. And I think kids these days, you know, the, the, you know, what quote we call a troubled kid is very different. You know, it's a kid who is anxiety ridden, uh, you know, doesn't leave their home, uh, you know, has a hard time making friends, um, socially awkward, you know, live their lives online. 
you know, abuses the prescription drugs that their psychiatrist gives them, right? Uh, you know, I think that's much more common than what we saw 20 years ago, right? So, you know, it's different. It's, it's a different, you know, uh, it's a different time, you know. And, and, and in saying that, you know, the, the crazy thing about oftentimes when I see these kids, you know, these days, even though their lives are falling apart, like they're still kind of hanging on to school, like they're still getting an A in, you know, AP biology, <laughs> you know, because, you know, the school kind of carries them and their, their parents really advocate for the, you know, for the kid to, you know, be in school and God forbid that they fail a class because that's going to screw up their chance of getting into Harvard, you know, so it's just, you know, it gets to be madness, right? Your life is falling apart, but God forbid you get a, you know, you get a B, right? Yeah. And, uh, I, I liked your description of the Gen Xers, you know, us, where it, it was more like parent, you know, this, this parent sort of rebellion that we sort of had with our generation. And then um, it's true, millennials are ready, you know, they're willing to put in the work and kind of want to go with the flow, but the problems are very different, right? Um, yeah, well, it, it, for but, sure. Um, so what what are you saying in a conversation with, a young adult who comes into your office and is like, I really want this prestigious college and, and whether it's grades, whether it's resume or, or outside activities, whatever it is, it's just not going to work. What's that conversation? What are you saying to a lot of these young people without, I mean, I, I assume you might be crushing some dreams and I like, you're very direct and blunt and that's what I like about you. I would love to know what that conversation mm-hmm. sounds like because I think you, you probably manage it really well. You know, look, I mean, I, I never want to say I'm a dream crusher, right? Because I, I always like to say you never know, right? Because, you know, again, life is long and, you know, just because you can't get into, uh, you know, NYU on the first go around, you know, there's other pathways to get to where you want to be, right? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I can't say enough about community college, right? I mean, I think it's a great place for a lot of kids to start, um, you know, gain some maturity, gain some clarity, uh, save a hell of a lot of money, right? And then, you know, if you do really well there, you know, you, you figure it out and, uh, you know, you do two years and then you can transfer to NYU, you know? I mean, that's a plan that I highly recommend. I mean, the California you know, school system, the UCs are very set up for that. You know, kids start, um, you know, for $5,000 a, you know, a, a year, uh, you know, compared to $30,000 a year, you know, they start a community college and then do two years and get their credits out of the way and then transfer to their major in a UC. Um, you know, I think that's a great plan. Um, but you know, it, look, it, it, Again, it's finding what's right for you at that point in your life, right? I mean, look, some kids naturally gravitate towards academics and, uh, you know, activities, and they're going to Harvard, you know, they're going to Princeton, right? They have that type A personality, you know, I mean, my cousin, she's a perfect example of that. You know, she doesn't even try that hard, you know, I mean, she's super smart, and she does, and she works hard, but she's just got it in her, you know, and she went on to go to Princeton, right? That's not the norm, right? Most of us really, you know, it's not, you know, it doesn't come natural. We have to work hard at it. But, you know, to what, to what extent, to what point, to, to, to what detriment, you know, what, will you, what are you willing to sacrifice to get to where you want to go? Uh, you know, obviously hard work is, is a good thing. It's an important thing. But, you know, when you're jeopardizing your, your, your mental health and even your physical health, you know, that's when you say, you know, is it worth it? And, and if, you know, if it's not or, you know, you know, you might not get there anyway, 
well, what the hell? I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to the University of Massachusetts. You know, because at the end of the day, I mean, are you really going to get that much better of an education at Harvard than you will at University of Massachusetts? It's debatable. I mean, come on. I knew plenty of, you know, even student athletes that went to, you know, big name schools, Ivy League schools. And, you know, they skated through their education. You know, they weren't working all that hard. Um, you know, look, at the end of the day, you got a degree from Harvard. Is that going to open doors for you? Absolutely. But, you know, after that, you know, you start talking about the Skidmores and the Swarthmores and the Pomonas and the Benningtons and the Bates. You know, you think anybody really knows the true difference of the, any of those schools, you know, when you go for a job. You know, it, it's, it, it, it's all very debatable. And a lot of it's just perception, right? And your perception might be different than my perception. So, again, I say, you know, go where you feel good, where you feel comfortable, you know, where you find the people that you want to be around in a, in a, in a place that you want to study. You know, I mean, that, that's what's important, right? I mean, I went to University of Montana. Um, you know, is it a great school? You know, it's got some great, you know, it's got some great programs for sure. But it, it was about place for me. I wanted to be in the outdoors. I wanted to go skiing. I wanted to go climbing. You know, the people that I met, I was inspired by, right? And then a kid from New York, you know, going out to Montana, that's a story, you know? It's more than just an education. It's an experience, right? And I, I think that it's lost these days, you know? It's about the name and not the place. And I think that's a mistake, right? Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, I actually uh, was talking to a Yale professor about six months back, and she was talking about her road and how she had gotten there. And she went to a state school. And she said, you know, honestly, like, I went to a state school. I was a bright student, but had some stumbles along the way. And she's like, now I'm teaching at Yale. She said, Yale's a fantastic place, but it's not that different. She said, it's not like we're doing anything that's you know, dramatically different than what a lot of these great colleges are doing out there. And she said, I think we get a little bit too caught up in it. Would you agree? I would totally agree. I mean, look, a classroom is a classroom, you know? I mean, yeah, right. There's great professors everywhere. I mean, come on. Some of the best professors that I had, were, you know, were at the University of Montana because they were specializing in what they wanted to do and they were where they wanted to be. Again, it was about place, right? Um, you know, and, and I also tell kids often, it's like, you know, look, your, your education is what you make of it. You know, if you want to push yourself at, you know, University of Maryland to go into the honors program, you can get a great education there, you know. Um, you, you know, so it's not so much about, you know, what your perception of it is, but what the reality of it is. And, you know, I, I'm also a big value for money. You know, go what you can't afford, you know. Why are you going to take $250,000 in loans uh, you know, to go to, uh, you know, Bennington as an example, when you could go to University of Vermont for a whole heck of a lot cheaper if you're a resident, right? Um, you know, you're still going to get to where you want to go probably at the end of the day, you know? So, cool. yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not consumed by the name, right? And I understand some people are, and that's, that's, you know, if that's what they want, that's what they want, but, you know, be careful what you wish for. What do you see, what's your advice for millennials on the application process? You're reading these applications day in and day out. What, what's the difference between the ones that are rising to the top of that pile and the ones that get pushed to the side? Well, you know, every year, I guess, you know, they, they kind of look for different things at these top schools, right? But 
I would say overall, it's like, you know, if you clearly show that you have some kind of a passion interest uh, and, and it really does show through is, is not something that you contrive, but that is something, you know, that you really do love, it, it, you know, that those are the kids that they, I think, you know, want, right? You know, nobody wants these robots. Perfect test scores, perfect grades are only going to take you so far, right? We want to see interest. Um, we want to, you know, we want to have interesting people on our campus, right? They, they're the ones who enrich the lives of all the other students. Um, and, you know, nobody cares if it's like, you know, you, you, you know, you're the yo-yo champion or, you know, you love, uh, you know, volunteering and, uh, you know, or you, you, um, you know, want to be, uh, you know, in theater arts and you perform in the, in Washington Square Park, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. We just want to see that you do. Um, you know, that's an important thing I think I try to tell kids. It's like, you know, it's not just about schoolwork and grades. It's about, it's about, you know, living your life, right? Have you ever had an application that just stuck with you that really stood out? And can you talk about it? Yeah, I mean, in Berkeley, I definitely have had some applications. You know, look, I mean, some of the kids that apply to Berkeley, it's just like surreal. Like, how are you possibly 17 years old, right? I mean, I've had kids <laughs> that have already taken so many, you know, college classes that they've had an associate's degree before they finish high school, right? Uh, you know, kids that have started their own businesses while they're still in high school, um, you know, Olympic athletes, you know, uh, renowned actresses, uh, singers, songwriters, you know, I mean, people that you know are starting to apply into Berkeley. You know, those stand out, obviously. But, you know, I, I think the things that I, I, I appreciate is, I, you know, look, I like these kids that are diamond in the rough, right? Um, so I read L.A. County, uh, and I have for a couple of years now. Um, so, you know, we don't look at a kid from Harvard-Westlake, you know, really in the same way that we look from a kid, you know, look at a kid from Watts. You know, they just don't really have the, the same background. They don't have the same opportunities. So, you know, it's not really fair to look at them in, in you know, equal terms, so to speak. Um, you know, so I love finding those kids that are first generation, you know, underrepresented kid from a tough school, you know, tough neighborhood. You know, English might not be their first language, you know, an immigrant family. Um, but then, you know, they have this story to tell and then, you know, you can tell that they're hard workers, you know, they want it and like to get a shot to come to a school like Berkeley would, you know, would change their lives. It's going to change their family's lives. It's going to change their lives for generations to come, you know, and to give that opportunity to a kid, you know, that's, I think that's something magical, you know, you know, that's something special that I'm, I'm proud to be a part of about Berkeley. Because Berkeley, you know, we are told to look for those kids, you know, that's, you know, that's one of the things that I really appreciate, you know, working for a state school like Berkeley is, uh, you know, they'll they'll take they'll take a shot on a kid like that. And I, I really applaud them for that. I just finished the book Hillbilly Elegy. Have you uh, read that one yet? No, I haven't. Uh -uh. You got to check it out. It's about that very thing. It's a it's a guy who comes from the kind of the back kind of a hillbilly from Kentucky. He ends up at Yale Law. And uh, he talks about that very thing. I think you'd really enjoy that book. So uh, give give that a read when you get a chance. Um, <clears throat> what do you think is yeah, the, a good, uh, good read for me on the plane tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. You'll love it. I, I just finished it. My dad's been telling me to read mm -hmm. it for months and I, I, uh, I'm glad I did. It, you'll enjoy it uh, based on what you're talking about right now. Um, what, what do you think the biggest mistake these millennials are making on their college apps and, and on their right. college process, or even in high school when they're just starting to approach it, what are the big mistakes you see commonly? 
I'll tell you, I easily right there. I, 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 the kids are not getting jobs anymore. Like, whatever happened to the summer job, right? Like, I, I see some of these kids, they just don't understand, you know, first and foremost, why they're in college, right? Uh, they have no, like, work ethic outside of academics. And then when they finally do graduate college, they've never had a job before. So it's like, you know, understanding like how to manage your money and, you know, working with people, of, you know, d- different walks of life than yourself and, you know, having to get up in the morning. And I'm not talking about, you know, cool job at your dad's law firm or, you know, interning at the UN. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, your regular old summer job, you know, working at summer camp, you know, working at a restaurant, washing dishes, busting tables, you know, landscape and cutting lawns, you know, working down at the marina, pumping gas, you know, whatever. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, rich kid, poor kid, we all had summer jobs. You know, we didn't have any money in our pocket if we didn't have a summer job, you know, and then, you work 25 hours, 30 hours a week at the summer job, and then you get this shitty little paycheck, you know, for 200 bucks, right? What more incentive do you need to go to college than to say, hey, I don't want to work for minimum wage for the rest of my life, right? Um, and I think that's really missing. I mean, I rarely see kids these days, uh, you know, having a real job, you know, before they, before they graduate college. Uh, and, I, and I think that's a shame, I, you know, and I, I will say, that college is like that. You know, they like, they, I mean, look, if you, you, if you started working at McDonald's when you were 16 and then by 18, you became a manager, you know, we like that. That shows leadership. It shows that you stick with something. Um, it shows that you know how to work with people, you know, it shows that you can work with people that, you know, at the job, but then also you can do customer service. You know, it takes communication skills. I mean, those are all important things. And we recognize that, you know, we see the value in that. And I think kids are trying to game the system by, you know, trying to get these fancy, you know, internships. Um, and, you know, I just think it's kind of gratuitous, but it's not necessarily, uh, you know, the only thing. I mean, look, if you do that one summer, but you know, I also think that balancing that out with, you know, after school or summer job, you know, at the coffee shop or whatever, I think is incredibly important. And I don't think enough kids are doing it anymore. What do you... What do you have to say about when college isn't a fit, whether there's learning disabilities or whether there's just, you know, I see a lot of young guys in our program that they're, they're, they're bright, they have certain talents, but college, like the classroom is just not working. Do you, do you work with those young people as well? And how do you manage uh, those conversations? Yes. What, what options absolutely. do you have there? Yeah, tell us about it. Well... You know, that, you know, that's a good question, right? Uh, it, it, you know, unfortunately, in this day and age, you know, the days of the apprenticeships, you know, we don't see them as much as maybe we once did, you know, get, going into being an electrician or a plumber or an iron worker or a bricklayer or, you know, a chef. Um, you know, even those guys are, you know, going to school these days, right? Which, which is fine. It's a different kind of school, right? It's a more technical school. I mean, you're not necessarily going to be doing, uh, you know, liberal arts curriculum. So, you know, you kind of two years and you get right into whatever it is you're doing, you know, auto mechanics or whatever, you know, um, and, and, you know, you can come out and, and be working, right? Um, you know, look, if you're a go-getter and you want to do something, uh, you know, you want to learn that trade, you know, we can figure it out. You know, you can figure it out. 
um, you know, you want to be a carpenter. Well, you know, you start at the bottom, right? You know, you start cleaning up and, uh, you know, pulling nails and, you know, taking the junk to the dump. And then, you know, you start learning how to hammer nails and then you start reading the tape and, you know, you start cutting wood, you know, and you kind of move your way up. Um, you know, I often tell kids, you know, you got to be creative. You know, you got to, you got to, you know, you got to, uh, you know, be a pest. You show up at the job site every day and, uh, you know, Hey, can I, you know, I want a job. You know, I mean, I did it when I learned how to cook when I was 16, you know, I started washing dishes, but I didn't want to be a dishwasher forever. So I used to bug the cook, teach me how to do this, teach me how to do that. And then sooner or later, you know, I was working the grill, you know, he was teaching me to do it. And, you know, you kind of move up from there. Right. I mean, I think, you know, these kids are kind of looking for, um, I don't know, what do you want to say? The easy route, you know, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, college is that easy route because, you know, you think it's going to get you to that place that you want to go. But I think if you're a go-getter and, uh, you know, you want to, you know, create situations for yourself, uh, I, I think people appreciate that and people will give you a shot if you, uh, you know, you show that you want to learn. Um, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, being creative, thinking outside the box, uh, you know, getting out there in the world and, you know, seeing what your talents are, you know, doing that gap year, um, you know, doing some traveling, you know, doing some different jobs, internships, you know, seeing what you're made of. Uh, I, I think, you know, you learn a lot from that about what you might want to do, what much direction you want to, you know, look, at the end of the day, college is going to be there if you, if you want it or ready for it. You know, whenever you want to lay down your $50,000 a year, they're happy to take it. You know, whether you do that at 18 or 25 or 35, uh, you know, it's going to be there. So, you know, if you, you want to explore some other things before that to see if something works for you, go do it. I mean, you know, Andrew, you know, like I know, how many friends of yours have gotten college degrees but then went into the trades? I mean, I got friends that college degrees are iron workers. You know, they're carpenters. Uh, they're cooks. Uh, you know, they're entrepreneurs, right? Um, you know, was college a good experience for them? Absolutely. Did they need to go to college? No, not necessarily, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I think the, um, you know, to overstate the obvious, you know, the days of picking a major and working for 30, 40 years in it are over. I mean, that's, they were over a long time ago. They were over when we graduated college. Sure. And, you know, I see a lot of frustration and anxiety around what should my major be and what should I do? And I have a friend who <laughs> switched his major eight times. And guess what? He's crazy successful doing nothing that had to do with any of those eight majors. Right. And sure. You know, <laughs> just last week at the IATA conference, the young adult transition conference, I was talking to a therapist who's like, yeah, I got a master's level degree and my plumber's making more money than I am. You know, like, yeah. Really yeah. the the conversation that I'm starting to see open up is this idea that is is college going to continue to be what it used to be? And what are your thoughts on that? Where are we going to be in the next 20, 30 years? Are we going to still be having this conversation about the most prestigious school or are we going to be having conversations? Yeah, of course around? we are. Okay. Tell me what your thoughts are. Where do we go I from here? Well, you know, I I remember I read this great article uh, probably 15 years ago in like the New Yorker. I, I don't remember what it was, but it was Rip Van Winkle, right? Rip Van Winkle, you know, wakes up from, you know, his long slumber and, uh, you know, somebody's taking him around in modern society and, you know, there's a telephone on the wall and he says, wow, what's that? 
you know, somebody says, oh, it's a telephone. You know, you can talk to people from far away. That's amazing, you know. And then he sees, uh, you know, a computer, a TV. What's that? Well, this is a TV. This is a computer. Oh, my God, that's amazing. What, you know, all this new stuff. And then he walks into a classroom. He goes, oh, this is a school, right? <laughs> you know, school has not changed in 200 years, right? Is school ever going to change? I, I don't know. I mean, right, there's innovations, you know, like at the, at the base and bottom line of a school, you go to a classroom, you sit at a desk, there's a teacher in front, you know, disseminating knowledge to the pupils, right? You take notes, there's a test on Tuesday, right? Is that going to change? I don't know. It hasn't changed yet. So will it change in 30 years? Not likely. Um, you know, look, I, I do think there's value in, in a liberal arts education. You know, I, I don't want to see that go away. I, I mean, I, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I might just go study, uh, you know, art history. I mean, I love it and it would be a lot of fun. Is it going to get me a job? No, but I studied journalism. I'm not a journalist. So, you know, say la vie, right? Yeah. Um, you know, look, I do think that there are a lot of programs out there like NYU or um, uh, Northeastern is an example that are, you know, moving more towards less classroom time and more, uh, you know, co-op, uh, internship, um, the kids on the skateboards just showed up. Uh, I, I remember those days when, when I was 16 skating here at, in, in, uh, Washington square park, um, when the adults hated me. Um, but you know, I do think that a lot of schools are, you know, kind of moving, uh, you know, more towards, you know, more applicable models, right? Like uh, Ithaca College. Ithaca College is doing a lot of, you know, get on the ground, uh, you know, get out of the classroom, uh, you know, use what we're teaching you, you know, even in, you know, your junior, senior year, right? Uh, you know, and I think that's good stuff. I mean, I think that's important. Um, you know, and again, I mean, there's some schools that are always going to be that liberal arts education. That's what they're going to do. And they're always going to do that. But I do think there are a lot of schools that are looking to, you know, 21st century learning, you know, and, um, you know, trying to get kids out in the working world sooner, uh, you know, before graduation. So, I, you know, and I, I applaud that. I think that's a good idea. You know, um, I agree 100 percent. I think, you know, no one's doing what they majored in. You know, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of merit to getting that college degree and you know just learning how to learn. I know it's cliche. There's there's a lot of good that can come from all of that. But um, and I'm no economist, but do you foresee a day when the cost of education drops, like the bubble bursts, and we really see somebody kind of break this trend of really expensive universities? Well, I mean, I think we're there, right? I mean, I'm looking at NYU right now. and What's NYU up to? Like, you know, $68,000 a year or something? $72,000 a year with room and board? Uh, you know, I mean, how how is that affordable, right? I mean, it's just insane, um, you know, what, you know, it's cost and, and, and what you're getting for your money. I mean, is that worth it? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, I guess if you can afford to, to shell that out, then maybe it's worth it. But um, it just seems a little ludicrous to me that college has gotten so expensive, uh, you know, that it's only, you know, the, the, the top, you know, 5% of the country that can, you know, really, uh, you know, pay out of pocket for this. Um, and everybody else has to, you know, take a student loan. Um, and, you know, just as you said, the bubble, right? I mean, I, uh, you know, that's a, you know, uh, a big fear is that that student loan bubble that's just looming, 
um, you know, kids aren't being able to pay this back, right? I mean, you take $72,000 a year times four, and then you got to pay that back, uh, you know, six months after you graduate or, you know, start paying it back six months after you graduate college, uh, you know, not, not easy, right? Um, you know, the, the, the the kind of jobs that you might get coming out of, uh, you know, NYU with, uh, you know, an English degree, uh, you know, it's going to take you quite some time to be able to make that money, right? To pay that loan off on, yeah. on top of if you want to live in New York City, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, two-thirds of millennials, you know? two-thirds of millennials are graduating college with an average of $27,000 in debt. And they're walking into right. an economy that's paying less compared to other generations. Healthcare and housing's through the roof. You just nailed it. Like, how are they going to live in New York City and do that? And, and that's why I say a lot of the conversation that I'm hearing now is around this, is it worth it? Is it going to change? Is it going to burst? Is it going to shift? Are there other options to consider? And, you know, one, one thing, one place my mind goes is I remember sitting in my MBA class with uh, our economics professor, and he starts talking about online MBAs, and we got all pissed off and uppity. And we're like, well, you can't. <laughs> you know, we're all, like, upset about it, and he's like, and someone raised their hand and says, are you telling me that, that in the next 10 years, an online MBA is going to be booked at just, just about the same as ours? And he said, absolutely. I totally do. Right. Now, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think the technology, it's going to be really fascinating to see where the technology takes us in the classroom. And, and that's where I see it going. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how how tied we stay to this traditional model. And I do think there's benefits that the socializing and the, you know, even, even those prestigious schools, here we are knocking the fact that, you know, the other schools might be comparable, but you, you can't argue with the fact that the people you surround yourself with, you become like, and I think that's a good argument for a good school is, is surrounding yourself with like, not necessarily like-minded people, but people that are going to pull you up, um, he also talks about this in Hillbilly Elegy, so this interview's definitely got some Hillbilly Elegy-ness to it. <laughs> um, but but anyway, I'm, I'm just kind of ranting at this point. But uh, what do you think about that online schooling and, and, and the technologies and how that might change the game in the next 10 to 20 years? Sure. I mean, it already has, right? I mean, we're there. Um, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, distance learning is great online. Um you know, right. But I, I do think there's a lot of value of also, uh, you know, being on a college campus and, uh, you know, hanging out and, you know, getting to know people. And, um, you know, look, I'm not a millennial. I mean, you know, people communicate differently now than they used to. But I, I do think there's something lost, uh, you know, because, look, I mean, you know, what what's one of the, you know, the most important skills you can have in, 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 in most jobs. It's, can you socialize? You know, can you interact with people? Do people like you, right? Uh, you know, those are the people that generally move up the, the ladder. Um, you know, you know, even if you're, uh, you know, good at your job, if you're not such a great communicator or if you're awkward or, you know, it's, it's a hard road, right? Um, you know, people that socialize well generally, you know, do better in the workplace, right? Um, you know, obviously depending on what your job is, but, you know, still people go to the office, right? Not everybody, but people still, you know, tend to go to the office. Um, so I do think it's valuable to, uh, 
you know, not only have an online experience, but, you know, also have a, a campus experience. Um, you know, some combination of the two, I think, might work best, right? Um, you know, it's, it's good to get out of your comfort zone and, and, and challenge yourself to go to places that you haven't been before and meet people that you, uh, you know, don't know, obviously. That's, I think that's a very good thing. And I, I think that's where the online experience is lost. Right? I, I think kids are living their lives too much online. Um, and I, 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 you know, we, we see the dangers in that, right. We see the, the side effects of that. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough one to say is, you know, online education, uh, a good thing or a bad thing, obviously, uh, for well-adjusted people, it's a good thing for not well-adjusted people. Uh, not so much, you know, you, you know, a comment I heard last week at the conference around this topic is the idea or thought that um, some of these trade schools and vocational schools and even community colleges, that once they start having dorms and creating community, that that, that could be a much more attractive option. That'll, that there's only one that, that, that I've heard of. Are you aware of any other mm-hmm. schools that have dorms and community and can't, that campus life, which is part of that socialization that you're talking about that's so important to the college experience. And I think some people, that's what, that's what they mean when college is so important is the college experience, not just the I, I I totally agree. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the one downside of community college is, you know, most of them are commuter schools and, you know, people finish class and, you know, they go on their way. Right. I mean, com, uh, community colleges, um, you know, service, you know, people from all walks of life, you know, people with families or, you know, that have day jobs and they go to school at night, you know, people that are, you know, young that are just starting their uh, education experience, you know, but that's, that's the beauty of community college. They take, they take all comers. Um, yes, the downside of community college is that there's not a lot of community at community college, right? <laughs> um, you know, they used to have some, some, you know, there were some schools in California that had dorms. Santa Barbara used to have a dorm, um, but they're doing away with them, right? Uh, you know, there are some technical schools like, uh, you know, Johnson and Wales, um, which, uh, you know, has a number of campuses. The, the, the largest one is in Providence, Rhode Island. And they're mostly a technical school and, and they have a campus environment. They have dorms. Um, but right, I think that would be, uh, you know, a, a great experience. And, and then again, you know, I mean, some, some high, some, uh, excuse me, some states are now looking at how they can, uh, you know, make it free for people to go to community college. Um, you know, if they could do that and then, you know, maybe just pay for the dorm. Uh, I, I think that would be a great experience. I mean, do you really need to go to school for four years to get to where you want to go? Uh, you know, debatable. I mean, most countries don't, right? Where I think we're one of the few, uh, you know, Western countries that requires, uh, you know, four years for an undergraduate degree, right? Most most others just do three, and you kind of just get right to it, you know? Um, you know, we're yeah. here, I think we kind of... Uh, you know, we prolong our, you know, I think it's also part of us prolonging our, uh, our, our lessons, right? <laughs> well, in the average, right. The we average don't want to get college, into adulthood. The average college student is, is really, it's really taking about six years to finish four years of college for, for most people or a lot of them. So, uh, prolonging young adulthood or, or that adolescence is, uh, I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> I, I totally did the same thing. Um, you know, by traveling to Costa Rica and trying to run rivers and adventure well into my late twenties. So, um, I can respect that. Uh, what do you, what do you think, 
What's your favorite thing about millennials? What are some of the good things and good qualities that you're seeing about this generation? You know, I mean, I think, you know, not to knock on, or, you know, I was knocking on technology, but, you know, these kids have a real handle on, uh, you know, kind of what's coming and the innovations and understanding how it works. And, um, you know, just, you know, not, it's like incredible. Like I was watching this, this kid on the subway yesterday and this kid must have been, you know, I don't know, one and a half, two years old, right? A, a baby, couldn't even talk yet. And this kid was ripping through whatever they were using on, on their mom's iPad. And like, just this like innate ability that, you know, these kids have to, uh, you know, access technology and, and use it in, as a tool, you know, and sometimes not as a tool, but, um, you know, that's kind of amazing to me. I mean, I really uh, admire that about, um, you know, this generation. I mean, look, this generation has grown up in, in some tough times. You know, we, we've, uh, you know, in, in the advent of, you know, global terrorism and, you know, global warming. And, you know, there's a lot of fear, right? At every turn, uh, you know, someone's out to get you or their perception of that is, is always, you know, there for them, which, you know, I definitely think contributes to the, the overall anxiety of this generation, too. Um, but then also this, you know, pressure to succeed, right? Like, uh, you know, their parents, you know, the children of the 60s, the, you know, post-baby boomers, uh, you know, are, are the most successful generation the world has ever seen, you know, the wealthiest generation has ever seen. So these are the children of those, of those people. And the pressure for them to, you know, do what their parents have done is immense. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not an easy, uh, you know, easy thing to accomplish for them. Um, you know, so I, I would like to see these millennials, you know, pave, pave their own path, you know, don't, don't do what, you know, the, the people before you did, right. Thomas, Je Thomas Jefferson said, uh, you know, every generation must have the revolution. You know, I want to see the, you know, the millennials, uh, you know, have their revolution and, um, you know, don't accept the status quo, you know, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't just go to these colleges, uh, you know, because your parents told you to, or, you know, because you think it's, uh, you know, the best college you got into, you know, get away from that. Um, you know, be, be, be the rebel, you know, do something out of the box, uh, you know, do something unique, um, you know, do something risky, uh, you know, without a risk, you don't get a reward. Right. Um, I, I think I would like to see the millennials to take more risks. What, drives you nuts about millennials what what do you think they need to work on and improve on and what what advice if you could give you could give advice to a lot of millennials or thousands of them and like i probably have 10 listening to my podcast right now so <laughs> not to be grandiose <laughs> but um you know yeah what advice would you give to if you if you had a large audience and they were listening what would you say yeah, I would say just that. I mean, I, I think it's like pave your own path, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, do what everybody's telling you, uh, you know, is, is the thing that you should do. You know, you got, you got to figure out life on your own. You got to figure out what it's like, you know, to be uh, an independent person and to, uh, you know, take those risks for your, for your own life. Uh, because look, everybody can tell you, you know, do this, do that, but you know, you have to live it. It's your life. Right. And, and, you know, I, I tell kids this often when I'm more helping them with their college applications. It's like, you know, look, kid, I mean, I know your parents are heart set on you going to this particular school or this kind of school. But is that really what you want? Um, because, you know, a lot of people can help you and tell you and do for you. But 
you know, again, at the end of the day, you have to live it. So is this the life that you want to live? Um, and if you don't know, well, then slow it down, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know how it is. I mean, it's unfortunate these days that, uh, you know, look, the therapeutic industry, you know, there's a lot of good and a lot of value in that. But I, I think a lot of times parents are too quick to jump to say, oh, my kid's not well because they're not listening to what I say. Uh, you know, look, that's what teenagers are supposed to do. They're supposed to rebel against their parents. Uh, you know, and obviously there's different levels of that, of course. But, um, you know, I, I often find that, um, you know, if a kid is not, you know, working hard to get into Harvard, well, then they're doing something wrong. And that, you know, that I don't think that's the case. I think there needs to be a little bit more, uh, you know, latitude with letting, uh, you know, this generation, you know, figure out their lives and figure out what's right for them. Um, you know, like I said before, these are turbulent times are very uncertain times. Um, you know, I think giving people the space to kind of grow and, uh, you know, make some mistakes you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I, I think we fear our children making mistakes, right? Um, that they're never going to be able to recover from those mistakes, right? I mean, my feeling is it's better to make mistakes in high school, you know, because, uh, you know, I think you have a, a lot of room to grow beyond that. And, um, you know, I think you learn a lot from those mistakes. And, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of kids not having that, that, that freedom to do that. I think that's unfortunate. Yeah, the mistakes, uh, the consequences get a lot tougher as you get down the road, right? As you get into a Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And I do. I see kids. I'm seeing kids flunking out of college all the time now. You know, I'm seeing kids that have been on the straight and narrow, have been working hard, you know, doing what their parents told them, um, you know, and just doing it without question. And then they finally, you know, get to college and they have – uh, you know, a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom and, uh, they're having a hard time handling it. They don't know how to make, you know, the, 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 the adult choices. Um, you know, they, they start doing drugs, they start cutting out of school, uh, you know, for the first time in their lives because they finally don't have, you know, somebody, uh, you know, telling them to get out of bed in the morning and telling them where to go and did they do their homework and you're very disappointed in me you know, you're, you know, you're disappointing me, you know, they don't have that for the first time in their life and they have a hard time handling that autonomy. And, uh, you know, they don't, they don't make it through the first year of college as a result. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where we often get the call. Right. Um, and for those that are dropping out of college, not, not necessarily that they need to go to a therapeutic program. What's that path look like to get them back to college? What is, do you often work with families in that situation? Yeah, quite often. Right. And I think that's, you know, the soul searching that I'm talking about. Right. It's like, well, taking that gap year that you probably should have took out of high school, you know, maybe now it's your time to go take some time off and, you know, go some, do some different things, you know, go get a job, you know, do that for a while, uh, you know, go do some traveling, um, you know, don't, don't open up a book for a while, uh, you know, get to know yourself, right. Get to, get to know what you're good at, right. Get to know what you like, what you don't like, right. You know, take that time, uh, you know, to figure it out, you know, um, you know, so many of these, you know, adolescents these days are just running a hundred miles an hour and, you know, like I said, they're just on this freight train going straight and there's no deviating from the path and they never have a chance to really, you know, figure out, you know, what, what, what are their skills and what, you know, what, what are they good at? What are, what are they not good at? What do I like? What do I don't like? 
Um, you know, I, I think those kids that, that flunk out at a college, at, you know, 18, sometimes it's a blessing in disguise, right? It, it'll put them on a different path than maybe the path that they should have been on in the first place, right? Absolutely. Do you think, do you think there'll come a day where the gap year becomes very common in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, you know, thank God for, uh, you know, Malia Obama, you know, um, uh, you know, her doing that gap year before going to Harvard. I think, you know, that was kind of normalized the experience for a lot of people, right? It was like, well, if this person's doing it, then, that, you know, maybe, maybe my kid will do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, look, some kids it's great for, some kids don't necessarily need to do it, but you know, why not? You know, like I said, uh, you know, God willing, life is long. You know, what, why not do something like that at 18, 19 years old that could, you know, help define, you know, why you're going to college later on and, you know, what you're going to do when you get there. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it makes a whole lot of sense to do it. And yeah, I, I do see more people considering it, right? I mean, look, especially, you know, I see a lot of my 18-year-old boys, right, in particular, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, sorry guys, but you know, you just don't have the social emotional maturity to be making healthy choices that first year of college, right? So, you know, I, that difference between 18 and 20 years old is huge, right? So taking, you know, a little time off to go, you know, do some things that are going to, you know, uh, give you some clarity, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. And I, I think we'll see that. I think we'll see it, you know, and I, I agree with you. Uh, Obama's daughter stepping up and saying, I'm going to do this. And we're seeing a lot, a lot more of that with the clients coming into our programs saying, Hey, gap year, man, I'm not ready. And, you know, I took some gap time in, in college and it was incredibly valuable and changed everything. I came back to college grown up and ready to get serious about my life and get out of there. And so I'm a, I'm a big fan of it for as well. sure. Yeah. Well, I think taking gap years throughout your life, right? I mean, yeah, right. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with doing it every so often and you know reevaluating, right? I mean, I think often people get stuck, you know, in in a career that they're not necessarily excited about. They're just kind of going through the motions, and you know, people are scared to take risks. You know, obviously, when you know the stakes are high, when you have family and kids and things, but. You know, before that time, uh, you know, it's good to take some time away and, uh, you know, reevaluate your life, right? And, you know, what, what is it I'm doing and what is it that I really want to do? And, you know, those two things aligning. And if not, you know, you, you better you better make a change, right? There's no sense of being miserable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jeff, thanks a lot, man. Uh, that was really, really valuable conversation. I, I hope a lot of millennials jump on this and, uh, you know, I think, you you obviously have a ton of experience. I always enjoy talking with you, and and uh, you know I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, likewise, Andrew. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, to, to get to get to do this. And uh, and those millennials, if you need some advice, give me a call. I'm I'm, I'm sure happy to give it to you. So where, where can um, people find you? Website, email, any information, Twitter, anything you want to share on here where people can get a hold of you. Yeah, my website, uh, educo, uh, consulting.com, E-D-U-C-O, consulting, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com is my website. And my email is jeff at educo consulting, E-D-U-C-O-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G. 
um, is, uh, is the best way to get in touch with me. I'm still not a Twitter guy, man. I'm still avoiding it. You know, I'm, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, still use the, uh, the old, um, you know, telephone. So (laughs) I'm not a Twitter guy either. I keep asking my social media friends, I'm like, is that dying? Because I'm ready for it to die because there's this sort of <laughs> lingering guilt. Like I should be tweeting. I should be engaged in this cutting edge social media app. And I'm like, yeah, it's a waste of time for me right now. So uh, so I think it is on its way out. So I think we're all right. <laughs> I hope so. Good. Yeah. Well, Trump. I think Trump ruined it for everybody. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man.